Welcome to the People's Show on a Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday. What day is it? These days, <laughs> these last few days uh, before the end of the new year, they're always mixed in with something. Uh, it's a Wednesday here on Sportsnet 650. Pick Nazar, Israel Fair here with you. Hope you had a fantastic few days. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? It's Kintech. Israel Fair, what's going on, man? It's good to be here, yeah. Hope that the... You know, the people listening are enjoying this, yeah. this weird week. A lot of sweatpants. It's a big sweatpants week. Especially when world. Christmas falls on a Monday. Yeah. Great timing. It just throws the whole... Tons of football over yeah. the weekend. It's still the weekend, technically. Just like the, 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 these days are the just mindset. Lost. The weekend yeah. is a mindset. We, we left on Friday. And yeah, we did the game on Saturday, obviously. But it, it's felt like the weekend for five days now. And it'll continue feeling like the weekend until like January 2nd. Because kids aren't going back to school till like the eighth or something like that, so it's a uh, it's a long stretch here. As soon as it's Christmas break for the schools, it just feels like it's Christmas break for everyone. Yeah, there's a there's a change in the the atmosphere. <laughs> uh, Lena Costa running the show today. You can always get involved as well. Six fifty six fifty into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber three stores to serve you. In Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. So I was, uh, Christmas was all right? Good, good. yeah, great, great. Real chill, real chill. Again, a lot of sweatpants. A lot of uh, changing out of one set of sweatpants to change to the next (laughs) set of sweatpants. Morning sweatpants. Yeah. Afternoon sweatpants. Christmas sweatpants. (laughs) You're just, a lot of that. It's been very comfortable. And now you got to get back into the grind here. Uh, 14 games in the show tonight in 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 the league. So the the, the I mean, you get those three days off, yeah. completely booked. The schedule is clean, mm-hmm. no games for three days. Usually, yeah, it's uh, it's it's rolling right back in. Uh, not Vancouver, not tonight. Uh, Tomorrow. Another another day for that, but uh, pretty almost almost a full slate. But if you've been watching all the other sports, you're like ah. You know, hockey needs to come back. Obviously, World Juniors is going on. Uh, Canada keeps trouncing uh, opponents. We went over Finland, went over Latvia. We'll get into some of that later on in the show. Uh, but NHL hockey back on your TV today. Again, 14 games. York Canucks back at it tomorrow uh, against Philly here on Sportsnet 650. We'll chat with Jordan Hall later on in the show, but we'll get back into the swing of things in the NHL with Ryan Clark coming up in about 20 minutes uh, from ESPN and also joining us from Seattle Sports 710. Stacy Ross will join us setting up uh, a big week for the Seattle Seahawks. They got a big win uh, on the weekend against Tennessee keep their playoff hopes alive, and now they're in control of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, uh, they're getting ready for this week, uh, which, hey, if they run the table here, then they are in, but it's Mike Tomlin coming to town. Uh, the 8-7 and seven Pittsburgh Steelers uh, come to Seattle, so we'll set that all up with uh, Stacy coming up in about an hour. But uh, your Vancouver Canucks, as you mentioned, playing tomorrow, uh, back at it. And, you know, things have been going so well, not that we're going to look for things to uh, poke holes in, but we're you know seventy games into this Rick Tockett experiment, and so far it, it's you know for the most part been going phenomenally. Uh, a lot of people last year would have said, "Well, you know, let's let's wait for next season." 
and let's see how it is. The end of season is not really instructive of how good a team can be. Well, it's been even better for Rick Tockett so far. It was a 36-game sample last year, 35-game sample so far this year, and he's winning at 700 level. An unbelievable run here. So what's important now for Rick Tockett to manage here in this next little bit? Not just the 11 games to make it an 82-game run, but just in general for this back half of the season. When you're looking at things of, you know, there's been the Kuzmenko thing, the Garland thing, any number of issues. But it seems like he's handled them all fairly well. What's going to be the next thing that you look at and say what Rick Tockett has to handle? Before I answer the question, and I do have a specific answer mm-hmm. to that question, I'm going to put like a blanket statement over the whole Rick Tockett experience. Mm-hmm. When we're not arguing about what is first place and points percentage and yep. all of this and just how good the experience has been, what I think gives me the most confidence about the Rick Tockett experience is that he has not been afraid to point out flaws mm-hmm. and to... Like This isn't a, hey, look over here, there's a magic trick going on, we're not as good as we are. He is the one at the center. We've seen, you know, Travis Green Mm -hmm. had had some ups and downs when he was the coach, but he wasn't necessarily someone that was very comfortable saying, you know, we need to be better at specific things. Mm -hmm. I think he would often do the coach thing of, you know, we can always get better and stuff. Like Rick Tockett is saying repeatedly, that there are areas challenging players. You look at Garland would be an example. Kuzmenko's the obvious example at the moment. It So to me, I don't have this feeling of like, everything's just been completely amazing because the coach can consistently resets mm-hmm. the expectations. And I think listening, and for a lot of people that would you know, hear Rick Tockett, and we'll play some of Rick Tockett's uh, meet availability later on in the show. The The thing that really stands out is... There's a direct specificness to the things that he points out and also highlights the problem. I think, and and presents a way to get better at it. I think there were times under Bruce Boudreau, and I even remember I had a show about it, that, you know, is is he too honest at times? Sure. And it was surface level honesty, which is important. And I again, I'm pro coaches and players being honest. Let us sort it out through the honesty. But... The degree in which, like, the honesty also lives in the ecosystem of the players are going to be hearing this, and are you presenting it in a you know constructive manner? Is that something that's happening? Yeah, the environment yeah. is important. It's it's not just for us. It's going to be dissected by everyone, and it's going to be you know, players are going to be asked about it. And there was a lot of juice to things that Bruce Boudreau would say that would carry on and linger, whereas. Rick Tucker does a fantastic job of taking the sting out of some of the yeah, things that he, he just, says. Yeah, uh, it, it feels like when he addresses it. It's very logical. That it's, it, you know, the Kuzmenko example notwithstanding, because that one has legs because of how many goals he scored last year. And mm-hmm. people like to have fun with his off-season regimen. And, like, the, there is some more meme mm-hmm. potential there. But with a lot of the straight-up hockey stuff, it sort of starts and ends with, talk it addressing it so what's the the thing that you wanted to highlight i think it has to be just what's the next move with the blue line right we've seen hughes and Ronick play together for much of the season the results there are, are off the charts is that if you know if that continues then you feel really good about where this team is going there is some room there for regression though and then as soon as that happens you know, yes, Susie's going to come back at some point, and you're going to feel a little bit better about the depth there. 
are we really thinking that for the second half of this season, Hughes and Hironik are going to play at this incredible level together? And Zadorov and Myers are going to be able to carry the level of play, the minutes, the role that they've had recently. I do think that there's going to need to be a little bit more juggling on defense. Things are going well right now, right? Like you, you see those two pairings and like the Tyler Myers conversation is one that's been had a ton in mm-hmm. Vancouver. But right now you look at that and you say, you know what? Pretty solid. And then, then what, what Ian Cole's brought in, in a depth role has also really solidified things versus what we had been used to with this team. But there's, there's going to be a shoe that drops. And when that shoe drops, whatever it is, to me, that's going to be the challenge for Rick Tockett, Adam Foote, and the coaching staff. So I'm less worried about it because there's actual talent there now. Right, like a lot of the players you mentioned are, are credible NHLers. There were times where you know the last couple of years, we'd yeah, say, but the bar is higher now for this team. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Right, if you like, if we're first place, competitive, yeah, like, that's fair. There, you can't have that drop off because you're right. the The lack of talent for years, there had one legitimate top four player, Tyler Myers, who kind of could move around and fill different roles and do different things at times. But he would have good streaks. May not have he, consistency. Yeah, he would have streaks where he looked like a top four guy, and he would have streaks where he looked like a bottom pair guy. Yeah, and you had to cater a lot. You, you had to cater his partner. You know, he could take on the minutes pretty much regardless, but there was a lot of change there. So, you know, Hughes has set the bar super high for himself. Mm-hmm. No concerns there. But in the middle there, you know, what happens if Especially there's a when Carson drop Susi off. gets healthy? Yep. How will it start playing out? To, to How do you manage Susi Myers and, and all that sort of stuff? Now, exactly. no update today uh, from Carson Susi, but it's still along the same timeline. Uh, six weeks would have been Christmas Eve, I believe. So shade towards you know six to eight weeks, shade closer to the eight weeks, and you're looking at the uh, in and around that road trip when they. Uh, do the Eastern Swing, where it's going to be a uh, long some, trip, some 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 time on the road. Uh, January fourth is when they uh, land in, or get ready to play St. Louis, and they don't come back home till January sixteenth. So yeah, it's a long one. It, it's going to be thirteen days, two weeks away. Some good teams too. Yeah, St. Louis, New Jersey, New York, uh, both New York teams, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Columbus. Uh, depending on what you feel about those last two teams, it, it's like you know some some difficult matchups. Uh, you, you're not playing San Jose's of the world. No, that New York swing in particular, yeah, stands out. Uh, okay, for me, it's going to be so, so. There's two things, and he kind of referenced it today, and it's going to be interesting to watch. Of it, it has been so, uh, so much work to do in this opening 35 game stretch here for Rick Tockett. and you know the Canucks have the most points in the league. Part of that is because they've played a lot of games as well. They lead the league in points, and they also lead the league uh, tied with Vegas and uh, Tampa and Seattle and Buffalo, Columbus, were games played. So they've played a lot of games as well. And now you see in this stretch here, this holiday malaise, they get to work themselves out of it because it's one game tomorrow, and then they don't play again until January 2nd. Any reference, hey, like we're going to go some stretch here without some game time. We have one game between the 23rd and the 2nd. So getting guys touches. So that in the short term is something that, hey, here's here's another thing for Rick Tockett to manage. And obviously the minutes for someone like Hughes and Roenick, from where we were late November, mm-hmm. that San Jose game where they lose 4-3, and it wasn't just that they lost to San Jose for me that was such a big deal. It was that game they wound up playing Hironic 28 minutes and 46 seconds and Hughes 29 minutes and 49 seconds. 
in a loss to San Jose. Against San Jose, yeah. It's, it's a <laughs> lot of usage in a game that you should be winning. And suddenly it's like, all right, we got to go get Zadorov now. And that gets handled. And, yep. and, and now the minutes have reduced. But in this stretch, when there's not a lot of games, he mentioned it's like, hey, we got to get some guys some touches on the puck. So that to me is something I'm going to be keeping an eye on here for the next four or five games, just how the usage goes out. But if you're looking for a long-term rest of the season thing, the power play. Okay, this is now a long enough stretch here where we're talking about 18 games mm-hmm. where they've been clip- clipping at about 13%. Yep, not good enough. Now, you would just say to me what I just said to you of, well, the talent's good enough. They'll figure it out. Yep. Absolutely. And the talent's better on the power play than it is on the blue line. <laughs> Certainly. But now it's like it's getting to the point where it's rather concerning. They've been 8 for 58 with quick math is 13.7%, 13.8%. Okay, but I'll be that guy for a second. Yep. How much of that is an Elias Pettersson thing? Yeah, it's probably about 20%. Maybe even a little bit more. But, okay, this is something that Rick Tockett's going to have to manage. Of how do I get more out of this player in a spot where we should be dominating? They, and they, we've seen it. They really, A, because we've seen it. But B, because the talent suggests that they should be uh, easily, easily a top seven unit. And 13.7% is not going to get you there. And as you mentioned that, so in that stretch, Elias Pettersson, uh, I believe, has four power play points in 18 games. That's not strong enough. He's the when, when this power play has been good, he's the catalyst. He clearly is not right, but even in the past when he's had these moments where he's not right, he still performs on the power mm-hmm. play. He still bangs in goals like we're not seeing that. And and look, credit to him. He's got 16 points in that 18 games. Yep. Total points. So there's a we, we keep mentioning it to him. I know people saying can't give him credit for the recent stretch. Well, he's still producing a bottom line. And more importantly, He's had a couple games where he's got you know three three point games. Yeah, but the team is eleven five and two. Like this is the thing I keep mentioning that like, all of this, the infrastructure of the takes and the reality of the sports world, it's about wins and losses. Okay, so like I understand Elias Pettersson is not up to the bar that you want for him. I can understand that, even though I push back on some of it. His job is to his job is to win games, and right now, even amidst his struggles, they're winning games. So count your blessings about that, that the struggles that he's having are not so great that it's costing the team games. It's 11-5-2 in this last 18 games. They are most points in the NHL right now. They are, if you want to go by points percentage, they're second. So they're, they're having their successes. But this to me is the thing that, uh, you know, with Kuzmenko going through his struggles, I think mm-hmm. that's a lion's share of this. It is. The, the Hronik thing just doesn't work for me. We're, we're, we're beyond the point of the the NHL evolution that we need to worry about two D-men on, on a power I play. agree. It just, it doesn't work. It's a shoehorn. And, you know, there there's the awesome 100-plus mile-per-hour goal yeah. that you can point to. The to, one payoff is probably not That's the it. thing. That's It's just you get fixated on that if, one result. If Carlson and Burns don't make it work, Carlson and Latang can't do it, I don't know if I'm going to be like, oh, Hughes and Aronic are the ones that are finally going to crack this two demon. We don't need to live in that world anymore. Now, the problem is when Kuzmenko's not playing, there's not really a lot of great solutions. Maybe it's P.U. Suter. Maybe it's Hoaglander. Maybe it's Dakota Joshua. But nevertheless, if you're trying to build this movement-style power play, yeah. I just listed about four guys that are stationary pieces. You'd want Dakota Joshua in front of the net. You'd want Nils Hoaglander net front. You'd yep. want Philip Pronick in one spot. You'd want Pew Suter retrieving pucks being around the net as well. 
if you're moving these pieces around, and that's the thing that's been really exciting about the power play, it's why it should work, is when you watch them and they're all going, because Manko, Pedersen, Miller, Besser, uh, Hughes, they're all willing to It's free-flowing. Yeah, it, they're all willing to operate in different spaces of the, of the ice. And the early part of the season, if you go through the first 17 games, they were clicking at a crazy rate. And you'd figure, okay, it's going to drop off from that. It's not going to be 33%, but 13 is too much of a drop-off for me. Yeah, it's 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 not good enough given given the talent that's there and I mean the the heroic pull is is fair to me as well. It's I get it. You want to utilize mm-hmm. the shot. It it's it's legitimate, right? Especially if Patterson's not operating at his level where his mm-hmm. shot is the same kind of threat, but it's it's really threading the needle because that player is not going to to your point Bick, like fill the other needs of that power play. There are moments when he slips into the bumper, and it, again, I'm, I'm not saying this is like, this is a thing Philip Pronok has to work on. I don't expect him to be good in the bumper, but he does look legitimately lost in there. And why wouldn't it be? How many times do you think Philip Pronok in his life has thought, oh, I gotta run the power play from the bumper. I gotta be in the right spot in the bumper. It just <laughs> looks odd. Uh, he can't make it work. Well, something uh, Rick Tocker will have to work on. We'll hear from some of Rick Tocker's uh, media availability later on in the show. Uh, from ESPN, National NHL writer Ryan Clark will join us on the other side. Half hour away, Stacey Rost uh, from Seattle Sports 710 as uh, the Seahawks pick up a win over the weekend against uh, Tennessee. We'll get into some more NFL stuff as well. Uh, keep coming with it in the inbox, 650-650. Bo, we'll get to your text. Kevin, we'll get to your text all on the way here. The home of the Canucks, Sports 650. Get your daily dose of Canucks talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe to the podcast and don't miss an episode. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Some good news in Richmond. A stalled semi has just cleared off Highway 91 eastbound before number 8 road. Just some light delays coming through there now. In Vancouver, the lights are flashing red at the intersection of Oak Street and 33rd. Treat that like a four-way stop. And also in Vancouver, there's some road work being done on Southwest Marine Drive near Canby that's got both directions affected there at the moment. Smell rotten eggs? It could be a gas leak. Stop what you're doing, go outside, then call Fortis BC or 911. Visit fortisbc.com slash smell gas. In the City News 1130 Air Patrol, I'm Gavin Lopez-Smith. Hey Jason, can I see your show notes for today? Sure, here you go. You're taking notes on metal blocks? You bet. It's super economical. When I'm done with these, I just toss them into my North Star Metal Recycling Bin. They pay the highest prices on scrap metal and are super easy to deal with. How much does this thing weigh? Like 50 pounds. Call North Star Metal Recycling today and ask about their free bin services. 604-254-2734. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. It's that time of year again. The Sport Check Boxing Day sale is on now. Save up to 60% off all your favorite brands until January 3rd. Score great deals on shoes, boots, hockey, ski, and snowboard gear, jackets, and more. Say it with Sport in-store or online at sportcheck.ca. Jake, coffee time. Be right there. Dude, what's with the dancing? Well, you know how my work boots were hurting my feet? I went to Kintech Footwear and Orthotics and got these new custom insoles. And what a difference. My boots have never felt better. Should have listened to my wife years ago. That's amazing. Oh, yeah? Well, what's amazing is I got a bunch of money back for my health plan. Ready for the perfect fit? Visit Kintech.net today. Kintech. 
Mark's Boxing Week event is on now. Take an extra 25% off store-wide until December 28th. Plus, save up to 70% on door crashers. Save on your favorite brands of winter essentials at Mark's and Mark's.com. Door crasher prices as marked. Single game tickets are available now for White Spot Vancouver Giants hockey. Don't miss these future stars as they bring hard-hitting, fast-paced WHL action to Langley Event Center all season long. Led by bona fide NHL prospects Samuel Hanzik, Jaden Lipinski, and Mazden Leslie. The stars of tomorrow, the Giants of today. Get your tickets now at VancouverGiants.com. Listen live all season on Sportsnet 650, Vancouver's home for hockey. Did you see this? The Rogers Wrapped in Red event is back with exciting deals. Really? Really, really. It says right here you can save when you pair 5G mobile and Ignite internet plans. What? I know. That's amazing. I know. Seriously, so good. But how will we gift wrap a plan? There's a bag for everything these days. True. Our really, really exciting Boxing Week deals are here. Visit Rogers.com or a Rogers store for details. Hey, it's Todd Talbot for the VGH Millionaire Lottery. Did you know that BC's biggest home lottery is coming to an end? So, don't pass up your chance to become our next multi-millionaire. Check out all the amazing prizes and get in before it's too late. Don't forget, there's more ways to win with the huge 50-50 and Daily Cash Plus. We all need VGH, and VGH needs you. Order tickets online at MillionaireLottery.com. 19 plus to play. Know your limit. Play within it. Boxing Day is on now at Visions Electronics with incredible savings of up to 85% off plus amazing door crashers all week long. Get a 70-inch 4K smart TV starting at only $498 and LG soundbars with subwoofer for $128 and will beat any advertised price in Canada guaranteed. Plus you save even more when you pick up in store. Don't wait. Boxing Day is on now. See all the deals at visions.ca. Hey, hockey fans, are you ready to score big at Angry Otter Liquor? Their shelves are stocked with a winning lineup of beer, wine, and spirits. Whether you're into smooth whiskey wrist shots, craft beer slap shots, or snapshots of wine from all over the world, make visiting one of Angry Otter Liquor's 29 locations across BC part of your pregame warm-up routine. Stop inside for the latest contests, exclusive giveaways, and so much more. Visit angryotterliquor.crs for details. Is your hive buzzing for the season? Zarbies is now in Canada with a range of syrups for babies and kids that can help relieve cough or support the immune system. Find it at major retailers and help keep your hive going with Zarbies. To be sure any Zarbies product is right for your child, always read and follow the label. This is HSBC Vancouver 7's world-class rugby, electrifying atmosphere, post-pumping partying, February 23rd to 25th. Get your tickets now at van7s.com. At this time of year, weather conditions can change at a moment's notice. Whether you're an adventure seeker or simply a casual commuter, have the award-winning team at Delaney's OK Tire in Langley help you find the best tires for your driving needs. Drive with confidence by switching to Toyo Tires, designed to perform in all kinds of conditions. Toyo Tires, making tires for your road. Don't let winter catch you off guard. Head to Delaney's OK Tire today, located on Fraser Highway in Langley. Every hit, shot, save, and goal. Listen to Alpine Credits Canucks Hockey live on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 
Get the latest personalized sports news and scores. Plus, stream live games and highlights anytime, anywhere. Download the Sportsnet mobile app today. Available on iOS and Android. We are your home of Vancouver Giants hockey. What a pass in front. What a goal. Sportsnet 650, Vancouver. Welcome back to the People Show here with you till six o'clock. I was just setting my fantasy hockey lineup because I forgot there's 14 games tonight. So I was, had to make sure. <laughs> had to make sure we're up to speed again. Uh, welcome back to the show. Vic Nazar is real fair here. A uh, lot to get into throughout the course of the show. Uh, Stacey Ross will join us in a half hour. Uh, and later on, Jordan Hall will join us to set up the Flyers and what's going on with them uh, before the game tomorrow versus your Vancouver Canucks. But first, uh, let's chat with our friend Ryan Clark uh, at Ryan underscore S underscore Clark on X or Twitter or whatever you're calling it nowadays. Uh, follow him on socials, covers the NHL for ESPN. Ryan, how are you? Yeah, good. How are you two doing this afternoon? Uh, we are fantastic, man. Still in that uh, holiday malaise, but... Uh, you know, we'll we'll save the workouts for January, but the the on air sharpness we got to get back up to speed. Fair enough. Uh, how was your holidays? Good, simple, straightforward. Watched a lot of NBA. Watched the NFL. Yeah. Watched Christmas classics such as Home Alone, Home Alone Two, and Die Hard. And uh, yeah, that was really kind of it. <laughs> Actually, I'll ask you this. Um, yeah, as we're getting ready for like the Winter Classic and everything like that, and, and you see a day like the NBA has on Christmas Day, and you see like the NFL's now had amazing ratings on Christmas Day, is the NHL putting too much stock in just January 1st of, of getting one of these marquee days for them? You know, it's difficult just because it seems like if you're putting stock into January 1st, this is where it gets complicated. You have college football going yeah. on in the form of the playoffs, and as we've seen over the last few years, the excitement around the playoff not only continues to grow, but now that you're looking at expanding it, it's what's going to make January 1st, assuming it still stays January 1st, they could expand it into whatever they want if they're going to grow into more teams. But college football has long had a stranglehold, and so it's been interesting how the Winter Classic was supposed to be that day where January 1st, the NHL, this was going to be its marquee day. But the reality of what you're seeing is this, whether it's Christmas Day, New Year's Day, everyone's fighting for viewers. Everyone's fighting for eyeballs. And if you're the NHL, like this is the reality. Like, let's just think about the Winter Classic being here in Seattle. There was no way they could have known. But you're going up in a sports day where, yes, there's everything else going on, but the University of Washington is playing in, is playing in Sherville against Texas right. that same day. Now, granted, it's a later game, but imagine if that had been around the same time as the Winter Classic. Like, if you're the NHL... Like, what do you do? Because, well, yes, you have Kraken fans who, who care. You're also talking about the fact that UW is a win away from going to a national championship game, which has not, not happened in quite a long time. And so that's just it. It's, it's the reality of being a professional sports league in this environment. Well, I think another part of it, Ryan, is that uh, you mentioned watching tons of basketball it's over the weekend. You get, you know, you get a full day of games. Football, the way that it worked out this year, you get a full day of games on on the 25th. Hockey for, I guess, the last 
15, 20 years has built around the one big game. And it seems like, you know, in the era of red zone, fans want more than that. It's got to be more than just putting all your eggs in the one big game basket. As cool as the venues might be, as cool as the uniforms might be, uh, it, it seems like that there's there's something missing in terms of having a bigger scope, a bigger vision for what owning that day could be, regardless of having you know, conflict with, with the college football playoff. Well, but to that point, it goes back to, in some ways, how you're marketed throughout not just the season, but how you just market yourself as a whole. And so, like, let's just take the NBA and the NFL. Like, we all joke the NFL owns one day out the week. Sometimes it's probably two or three, but it took time for the NFL to get to that point where it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a diehard, a casual, someone playing fantasy. The NFL has found a way to get people to watch, especially this year, where you talk to people who cover the league or around the league, or even just the average fan, and they will tell you, of all the years to watch the NFL, it's been some hard games to watch, but people will still stop what they're doing to watch with the NBA. It's one of those things where it's kind of been the unofficial start to the season for the people who maybe aren't the most uh, fanatic of, of, of NBA followers. But even then, when you're looking at the teams that are playing, like you're going to see the Knicks, you're going to see the Celtics, but also like you're going to see the Nikola Jokic's of the world. You're going to see LeBron playing Christmas Day. Like you're going to see these sort of games and players and matchups that it keeps people not only interested, but no matter what time zone you live in, unless you live in Alaska or Hawaii, like there's going to be that feeling of games all day from the minute you wake up to the minute you, you go to bed. Whereas if you look at the NHL and it's one of those things where like, if you're trying to compete against that, like how do you make that work? Because you know, there's going to be overlap with NFL fans. There's going to be overlap with NBA fans. But then if you also try to play on Christmas day, like how do you switch that shift of going from, Hey, we're going to have a holiday break, which people have been used to now to saying, Hey, we're going to try to compete against this. But then if you do that, how much does that really hurt the setup to the winter classic? Or maybe you use it as a way of saying, Hey, this is a vehicle to get more people interested in the winter classic. But either way, when we talk about how do you own a day or a stretch of holidays, like that's always going to be the challenges. It seems like it's not just a one-off. You have to do it years in advance, unless you're the NFL where, Again, if the NFL said we're going to start playing games on Wednesday, people would watch because it's the NFL. Start dominating Valentine's Day. You know, take the love out of the game. <laughs> start dominating February 14th. Everyone will watch. Uh, you know, the other part of this, too, is it, it, it's, it's a constant chase for revenue. And, you know, you see today uh, your colleague over at ESPN, uh, Kevin Weeks, is mentioning potential expansion update. Could it be in the suburban uh, area of Atlanta where could be an arena in development? Is that something to keep an eye on uh, for the NHL? And I just wondered, like, hey, look, I understand, you know, expansion fees are what they are. They're, they're, they're quite substantial, and it's a fantastic boost to the old uh, bank account for the NHL. But I, I do, like, do kind of get worried where we're at right now of this purse this this push to get it to 34 are we going to keep the same product the, the same quality of product again it's, it's hard to say just because you think about what things were like 30 years ago and all of a sudden you're saying let's expand to san jose we expand to ottawa nashville minnesota columbus and and the like and there's just this question of well will this work and it took time for the league to catch up just because you think about what those Blue Jackets teams were with players like Steve Mason and Rick Nash, mm -hmm. like as enjoyable as those guys were to watch, like the Jackets were still a hard watch and it reinforced the idea that expansion teams take time. Whereas if you look at the dynamic now, 
again, you look at the Kraken and the Golden Knights, and they're kind of hard teams to compare because on one hand, Vegas has developed this win-at-all-cost mentality that's seen them miss the playoffs once in six years, and then what happens the one year they miss it? They go out and win the whole thing the next. Whereas if the Kraken, you're talking about year three of an organization that in year one didn't make the playoffs, got a lottery pick. The next year they make the playoffs and are, what, a win away, two wins away? Well, excuse me, win away from going to the Western Conference Final. Whereas if now you look at them this season, are they a wild card team? Are they a lottery team? You just don't know. But the point is this, even with those varying degrees of success, like what they did still beats out what we've come to expect from the average expansion team. So if you can find a way to make an expansion team competitive, that's going to help, especially if you look at a market like Atlanta, because like here's the reality. Let's say the NHL does decide to go to Atlanta, expand relocation, whatever, just for the sake of the show. You're looking at doing this for a third time. Mm -hmm. And for a third time, you better be secure that you have all the questions answered in terms of, well, why did it fail the first time or the second time? What's being done? What's the difference? Like, is it the product? Is it the players that you put on the ice? Is it the development? Is it where you were playing games? Is going to the suburbs better than being in, in downtown? Again, it's a lot of different factors to answer, but in terms of if the talent level's there, again, it's hard to say because as we've seen over the last 10 years, players become more and more skilled. But as we've also seen in this league, like, there are still some organizations like Tampa and Colorado that it took time to get to that point. It seems like they're going to be where they are for a bit. Whereas if there are other organizations like the Canucks where, look, last year there were some serious questions being asked. This year it seems like the big question being asked is can they win the West? Whereas if you're an organization like the Ottawa Senators and you've kind of been going through this for the last seven years of a perpetual rebuild, wondering when are you finally going to hit pay dirt? The expansion thing, though, Ryan, it reminds me a lot of the Winter Classic in the sense that Vegas has been an unqualified success. Seattle has been an unqualified success in terms of the way that people have uh, come and support that team. Those teams absolutely fit into the league. The questions about the quality of play in the league haven't really hit uh, a boiling point. But it's if they're going to go to Atlanta again, and, and your point is well taken that this is not the first time that they're going into that market and that this one in particular they better have buttoned up, it's still kind of going after the same thing. So they have success with the Winter Classic and they decide we're going to make this our marquee event. We're all in on this. You could say very much the same thing about, okay, we're having success with expansion teams. People are, are, are digging this. The teams are competitive. Uh, they're, they're, they bring something fresh to the league. But I still wonder about that long-term viability because, like you're saying, this isn't something that is going to give an instant spark to the league necessarily uh, in terms of growing the game, quote-unquote. It, it seems to just be more of capitalizing on the things that they know works, the things that they know is, are going to bring in money, but not not necessarily taking any more creative chances, whereas you look at the NBA, that's a league that is very comfortable taking those creative chances. But there's also some dynamics that the NBA and the NHL share, but then there are others that they don't. So, like, the ones that they don't share, like with the NBA, you're predominantly in one country with the exception of the Raptors. In the NHL, you're in two. And the majority of the teams in one nation, every market is different. You're trying to fight for different ways to get people into being not only interested, but being interested in ways where you see that revenue continue to grow, you see the fandom continue to grow. 
and you're seeing more people take an interest in it. Whereas if like the challenges they face that are similar, especially if we're talking about expansion is RSNs, like regional sports networks in the future of what's going to go on there. Like those are still questions that are waiting to be answered. But the point being is if you look at, let's say the, it would be what the simile or yeah, the simile, not metaphor allegory, but the simile of like, let's say expansion in the winter classic, like you're seeing ideas that work, but there does come a point where you have to start asking yourself, like, what more can you do than what you've already done to keep people interested? Because like you look at Vegas and Seattle and one of the things that doesn't really get talked about a lot is like, yes, those teams have been able to make an impact and they've been able to provide something in their own way in the market. But they're also the kind of teams that if you look at the cost of attendance for what it means to go there, like it is not cheap to go. So if you look at the Kraken specifically, the Kraken have the second highest ticket price in the NHL line, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have the second highest fan cost index, which accounts for everything such as ticket prices, parking, concessions, souvenirs. It's the second highest in the league behind the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's just it. It's like if you're in the Maple Leafs, you can be the most expensive because for the person that says, I don't want to go to a Leafs game and I don't want to pay those prices, there's five, ten more people in Burlington, Oakville, Orangeville, wherever that is willing to pay that price. Whereas if you're Seattle, you are a new team and a new market that, while, yes, you've talked about wanting to make this affordable, let's also be honest here. You live in a market where your main city and other surrounding suburbs have an average home price of more than $980,000 U.S. There's money to be made. So, again, there's all sorts of factors to consider, whether it's expansion or bringing anything new to the league. Talking to Ryan Clark from ESPN, NHL writer, and you, you mentioned those Maple Leafs. And actually, in the East, like I've been fascinated by the the Eastern Conference in general as we transition to things happening on the ice, um, because there's been you know a surge of teams that have sparked up here. You know, Philadelphia, we'll see you here again uh, in uh, tomorrow here at Rogers Arena. Uh, obviously, the Capitals have sustained themselves. The Hurricanes, the Devils are still, you know, we expect to rebound from them at some point. Detroit's made a jump. Montreal's kind of hanging around. And there's, you know, a handful of teams, you know, Boston, Rangers, and the Maple Leafs and the Panthers are saying, okay, this group is still here. Is is a hold for, like, the Maple Leafs a bit more precarious than maybe we're giving credit for considering the depth of the East? Not necessarily. Look, the Leafs are kind of doing what people thought that they would do, which is, a team that would challenge for the Atlantic, a team that would possibly challenge for the East. Yes, they're seven points behind the Rangers for the East lead and four points behind the Bruins for the Atlantic lead. But at the same time, like it's a roster that has been built with the expectation of you win the conference, you now can win in the first round, you should now be able to win and, and win the whole thing. But kind of going back to what you were saying with the lead-up to the question about the way everything is looking in the East, like that's just it. Is like The Leafs are built to be a team that's supposed to find separation because like when you just look at how challenging the east has been this year and like not even just this year but even going back to the off season like there are these conversations of like hey the florida panthers had a lot of players injured in the cup final how long will it take for them to get back into playoff contention this season or is it going to be one of those things where they're going to be on the cusp of the wild card so yeah they're sitting third in the atlantic but you look at the wild card they're a point better than the Washington Capitals and the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Carolina Hurricanes were a preseason favorite to win the East. They're a point out of the wild card. The Devils were a playoff team last year. They're three points out of the wild card. Like you said, the Wings. I mean, we talked about the Penguins. We all thought that the Sabres were going to have a turnaround this year. Yes, Ottawa has played 29 games, whereas everyone else has played between 33 and 35. But even then, you're waiting for the Senators to sort of find that turnaround because them and the Sabres were the two teams people looked at and said, of the teams that missed the playoffs last year, 
those two and the Penguins look like the three that might be able to force the issue this year. And so to see what the Leafs have done given within that, it says a lot about what they're able to do. But at the same time, we also know that the barometer for success in Toronto is not what you do in the regular season. It's what you do in the postseason, or in some cases, what you don't do in the postseason. Uh, along with the Leafs, a lot of the teams at the top of the, the divisions out east are the usual suspects. But uh, uh, the team the Canucks are playing tomorrow, the, the Philadelphia Flyers, have been a, a really pleasant surprise. Uh, the thought was there with John Tortorella coming in last season that this was going to be a long, arduous rebuild. They were going to move veterans. They were going to give young players opportunities. And, and Tortorella was going to be the one to keep them accountable. Uh, so far, they've gotten some pretty good results. There are a lot of things uh, to recommend this Flyers team. They, they certainly play really hard. Uh, to you, what's what's the lesson in, in what's happening with the, the Flyers so far this season? Yeah, with rebuilds, you just don't know how they're going to accelerate. Because, like, let's think about it. That was the conversation with this team last year. They said the word rebuild, which for some people you say the word rebuild and they look at it as a taboo. You just don't say it out loud. But they were very honest about what they were and what you've seen from that as a team that has not only been able to trust young players, but, like, you're getting balance throughout what they do. And also, look, it helps, too, that Sean Couturier is healthy and he gives you someone that's been – a consistent two-way center who's always in Selkie discussion. Travis Anheim is having a strong year. He's, what, second on the team in points. And, and so that's just it. It's like what you're seeing is a team that is not only getting contributions, but they're getting them from homegrown players, regardless of, of age. Like Connect Me is one, Therby, Couturier, uh, what you're seeing from, from Bobby Brink as well. Tyson Forster is another one. Cam York is a player that they had high expectations for that his first couple of years he was up and down between the NHL and the AHL. And what you're seeing now is someone who's been able to provide them some consistent puck-moving abilities. That's why he's second among defensemen on the team in, in, in points. And so, like, that's just it. It's like every team now that's looking to try to make a step forward after they've been in the doldrums for a bit, we look at trying to do it through homegrown talent and doing it through the draft. It's what Tampa did. It's what Colorado did. It's what the Rangers and the Devils are doing. Like, it, it's it's something that works, but in order to get there, it just takes patience. And what's even more fascinating, it seems like we don't talk about this enough, is when you think about the different places John Tortorella has coached, especially more recently, he's gone to places where those are playoff teams. He's not really been someone who's been in situations where it's like you don't expect him to see be on a team that's going to miss the playoffs for a while. But what you're seeing now in terms of what he's done, there's something to be said for that in the sense of like, He's taken a team, he's found a way to not only implement like what he wants from them, but he's able to get the most out of those players, especially the young players. And what you're seeing now is a Philadelphia team that, look, they look like they could get one of those spots in their division where they could get a wild card spot. But either way, if they make the playoffs after what they've been through the last few years as kind of being a lottery team, it says a lot. But again, there's still so much left that we don't know, but the fact they've done this so far, it's something to definitely take notice of for sure. Uh, he's Ryan Clark. Uh, Ryan, that was fantastic. Uh, I want to talk to you about your piece also at the U.S. Uh, NTDP, but we're out of time. But uh, we'll we'll connect uh, as as this World Juniors uh, tournament goes through, and uh, we'll chat a little bit with your piece there over at ESPN.com. That works for me. Thank you so much for having me. It's man, uh, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan S. Clark over on social media at Ryan underscore S underscore Clark. Uh, while we were touching about some stuff there across the league, I, I want to ask this question to you because each season is is its own entity, right? And sometimes when we get into the conversations of like sustainability of winning, we we project like trends, five, trends and stuff. Yeah, yeah. right. And uh, like, is this team ready to compete? 
the Canucks right now are a perfect example. Like this year, I can tell you, they're going to be in the mix. I don't know if it's going to carry over for next year. I have some confidence that it will, but everything's resets, everything changes, and th- things change from year to year. But you do have to treat every season, or you do have to take some time to treat every season as its own entity. And I want to ask this to you here, because it, it just kind of popped in my head while we were talking with Ryan there. It's like a team, as we were talking about with the Leafs. Is this the best version of this team here that we've seen in recent memory? If I just asked you about that, and I'll go through, we'll go through a bunch of teams here. But let's start with the Leafs. Is this the best Leafs team we've seen here in recent memory? Don't think so. Okay, Boston? Definitely not. Florida. And they're, they're first in, yeah. in the division, but yeah. no. Florida? No. Uh, Tampa? Definitely not. Philly? Uh, yes. Probably, yes. but it's like, how important is this? The Rangers? Pro- probably. You think so? I feel like like they had Patrick Kane on the team last yeah, year. They like, just they they loaded up. But last they kind of have a Canucks vibe in that they've done some improvement in the margins. Okay, and so there's, they're they're just a really solid team. They 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 absolutely are. Right? And it's you not know, like they're coming here. down from. But I could argue the Henrik Lundqvist prime. You know, like I'm not extending it out that far. But I could argue like they've had better Adam Fox seasons. Like Panarin is playing pretty well right now. But like a younger Panarin, a younger Zabinajad, a younger Kreider. Like that, they they've had really good teams here recently. They have, but there's, there's just there's something about this okay. one. But so I'll grant you, Islanders. Mm, no, I guess not. You know, given the playoff success that they had. Okay, uh, Capitals. Like they've had playoff success. Definitely not. Okay, so I've just okay Hurricanes. No, Devils. It probably should be, but it's not right now. On paper, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so I just listed 10 teams. On paper, yes, but last year they set the bar really high. Yeah. They were exceptional last year. So I just listed 10 teams in the East, and you said yes to two. So to me, that's that screams like, hey, we're going to get an inferior team out of the East. Well, it's an it's an ebb, I think, this yeah. year, right? If you're talking about each season has its own story, it's yeah. its own entity. This is this is an ebb year across but, the board. But but it shows like the struggles as well of like timing, roster building, and all that sort of stuff. You go out west, okay, Dallas, I'll say yes. I think this is probably the best Dallas team we've seen in a couple of years. And they've gone to a cup final. Like they've mm-hmm. they've had their success. Weird season. But yeah, still, like they go there. But I think now like this version with To me, they're kinda like the Rangers. They're just they're just a really sure. solid team. Okay, it's definitely not for Colorado. We've nope. seen better te- Colorado teams. Probably for Winnipeg. Yeah, this Winnipeg team's rolling. Yeah. This is probably the best Winnipeg team we've seen in a couple seasons. Definitely the best Canucks team we've seen in a couple seasons. By far. Vegas? They're getting in that real like they won they're, they're, they're the reigning champs, but yeah. they, they're getting to that. They're just a really solid, solid team. So they maybe sustained a peak. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that their peak is what Tampa's was. No. Or Colorado's was. No, that's fine. Or could be, you know. Uh, L.A. I think there's been better L.A. teams. You do? Yeah. She's not a big Dubois guy. No, the thing is, <laughs> like, man, like they got McDavid. McDavided. Twice. That, like, that happens. And... It's not even just about Dubois. It's that Kopitar and Doughty are years older. Kopitar's still good. He's, but he's been good. I, I know he's getting a lot more credit now, and it's like, oh, he's doing the Barkov thing. It's like he's so underrated. He's 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 always been he's always been good. He's always been yeah, but, fantastic. but because the team is is better, that's why I think we're giving him a little bit. His numbers are incredible. Yeah, and he's he's getting his moment in the sun because I I do I do feel like the Kings have taken a small step. But he put up seventy four points last year. He's he's been in the conversation for he's gonna Selkies. Up, he's going to put up eighty plus this yeah. year. Yeah, but he's been good for a lot of years. 
Uh, but nevertheless, okay. But it gets more impressive as he ages. Okay, but we're talking about, okay, St. Louis, Arizona. No. Minnesota. Definitely not. Calgary, definitely not. Nope. Edmonton, definitely not. What's the best version of Edmonton? Is it the, the version that went into the playoffs last yeah. year? Yeah. I would say so, but of course they went they, they went deeper into the playoffs the year before. Okay, either way, we've, we've just kind of laid out 20-some-odd teams here. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to make the argument is Edmonton, I don't think Edmonton's screwed. I think that they're going to end up making the playoffs. Yeah. It's still hard to make the argument that they, they're better than they were last year. Either way, we were talking about 20% of the teams that we just listed here. And the other 10, 12, don't really matter because they're not going to the playoffs. Bottom of the standings, yeah. So you look at that landscape and you think, okay, if you I time mean, this it is the right, best San Jose team we've seen in a long time. <laughs> real talk, real talk. <laughs> and they might not clip 55 points. But... In a year where like we, we a cup is going to get handed out and we're going to compare it to previous champions and all that sort of stuff, this might be a weird year to say like this is a year you want to go get your hands on the cup. Sure, because it's a da- it might be a down year across the league. Hopefully, e- that leads to an active deadline. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it just if you're power rating it across the league, you'd be kind of disappointed about this version of the season. Not that it's not a great season because there's tons of storylines and everything, but I think we've seen better versions of a lot of teams here. And it should make for an interesting run down the back half of the schedule and into the playoffs. All right. Bick Nazar, Israel Fair. A lot to get into. More on the way. Uh, we are going to be chatting with Jordan Hall from NBC Sports in Philadelphia, setting you up on the Flyers game tomorrow. What's been going right for their season uh, as we're talking about a team that's uh, on the upswing. Uh, and also Stacey Ross joins us next here on The People Show on Sportsnet 650.